If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Don't adjust your seat. You know you are. I am your host to welcome you into the F4L headquarters. And, of course, who am I to welcome you? Of course, I am the one with the bulging biceps, the perfect pecs, the washboard abs, the six foot, 235 pound man, myth, legend, icon, and leader of the F4L, Sean Jazz Stevens. And welcome everyone to another exciting edition of the F4L headquarters. I hope you guys are doing great today. Uh, today is the third. It is a nice, beautiful Sunday day. Um, you know, what's sad is I tried to, I was going to think about having a guest on today. And who knows, maybe someone might pop up. You never know. But, um, I, you know, sometimes you don't need a guest every day to, you know, have a successful show. Because um, we have a pretty stacked show right now. I want to talk to you guys about various different topics today. Because this is like a cornucopia uh, to make up for the fact that we missed yesterday. And I, I humbly apologize about yesterday. Um, timing was tough. I want to explain to you why, even though there's really no excuse. Um, most people who know me know that I am pretty much one of the most eccentric people when it comes to being punctual. Um, I, w- I am that guy who's known to show up about an hour to two hours early for a working shift. Uh, one of the things that are a way to, one of the things that I'm prided about is the fact that I am most one of the most dependable workers that a place could have uh, because he, an employer knows that due to, and it's all by my actions that they know that when I'm scheduled, they know I'm not only going to show up early, I'm going to be there on time. They don't have to worry if they have to track me down. Um, that is, um, you know, something I work hard for. Um, I remember my younger days when I was working in movie theaters and retail, I would show up an hour to two hours early two reasons. One, um, if there was traveling involved, I wanted to give any time, any time for anything crazy to happen in between that, because let's face it, whenever you're having to go to work or just like kids know when going to school or something, there's always something that can happen. You know, if you're driving, you know that someone, there might be traffic. If you're taking the train, there might be delays on public transportation. And the same thing goes everywhere, right? Weather could be crazy or you know, whatever the case may be. So I always like to give that little leeway. And then also, you know, working in retail or like in a place like a movie theater or a restaurant or something we're going to deal with a lot of people, um, especially if you're in like a fast paced environment, like a movie theater or like um, a supermarket. And depending on what your job is, you know, you're going to have to show up a little bit early. Myself personally, I like to have a little bit of time before I start my shift to get myself mentally prepared for what I'm about to endure. 
Um, to myself, I always tell myself before I would start a shift, you know, let this be a neat, nice, easy, sh- safe shift. Give me the knowledge I need to, you know, make the decision necessary to do a great job today. That's something I said to myself. I don't know if that would be classified as a prayer or not, but I definitely um, took solitude in or solace in knowing that when I said that, I always felt better, regardless of how crazy it got. And one of the things that about me when I would work in these environments that were fast paced and could be stressful in some places was the fact that I never got stressed out. I never worried about long lines or troublesome people. Um, I did my job. I did my job well. I also know what my worth was at those places. Now, in time, you tend to grow in, 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 in both career and whatnot. But your um, morals and the things you, you kind of bank yourself on, you sell yourself on, is kind of never fails going forward in another job. So I'm still very punctual for everything in life. Now, of course, when you have a wife and kids and stuff like that, that can sometimes impact things. But I still have to say that for the most part, and my wife is usually pretty good with being timed and my kids are usually on time as well. Um, my family growing up was the opposite of that. Uh, my family growing up, if something was scheduled for such and such a time, you would know that in order to get them on time, you'd have to leave or tell them the party or whatever you're supposed to do is like three hours prior to the actual event so that they would be on time, as odd as that may sound. But anywho, that's me here nor there. But anyway, I apologize for missing yesterday. Um, I was a little late getting in, and I didn't feel that it was you know, right to do a show that was going to be rushed, and it was not going to be as epic as it should be. And I apologize for that. I rescheduled that to today and actually made it a longer show as kind of a way to make it up to you guys. Um, Not a heck of a lot. I do have quite a few things planned, but we're going to have to pretty wing it from there. (laughs) So, all right, let's get into this. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is today is the 3rd of um, January, the first of the year. And starting in tomorrow is the 4th. So, as you guys know from who follow my YouTube show, um, Jazz and his F4L icons um, on YouTube, you guys know that on the 4th, the 14th, and the 24th of every month, I always put on these shows on YouTube where we utilize the um, dream match form that me and my son have created and started multiple years ago that has caught on by multiple other people, which is cool, whatever. Um, and one of the things that I'm most proud about recently even is people, even though we've been doing this for a little while, some people are just discovering us now. Um, in fact, just last night, um, you know, I was, you know, talking with a, one of our, one of the people we created a long time ago, his name's Minty from Minty Com- Com- uh, Comedic Arts. He's, uh, one of these guys on YouTube who does these top 10 lists of these movies, you know, from the eighties or whatever. And, um, I, he's a nice Australian guy, and one of the things I got to say is I have a lot of friends of mine all over the place, and F4L is represented everywhere. But um, Australians, to me, I've never had a problem with anyone from Australia. Someday my goal is to get to Australia because whenever I've, I've gone to either functions or um, committee meetings or whatever the case may be, um, whether it be in pop culture kind of things or in the mental health facility, like when I do my um, – 
you know, when I do, do, do these various, um, not really conventions, the more of a meeting or a, um, a, or, or a conference more so than a convention, we have people from all over the world represented to talk about various mental health topics. Um, I've been a mental health um, advocate uh, for many years trying to get equality and make sure people's human rights are being met. And I also want to show people that it's okay to have differences and have some, you know, various, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, I myself suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, which is a diagnosis, which is a mental illness. But it is, you know, for the most part, a lot of people think that people who have post-traumatic stress disorder have had to have gone to war or whatnot just because of that, you know, that idea that people have. Well, that's not really what post-traumatic stress disorder is. It's basically because just I know I'm going deep into it, but post-traumatic stress disorder is basically um, some it is the effect that something traumatic has happened prior in your life that you will relive that is such impactful in your, in your life prior at one point that it keeps haunting you every single time and it could last a lifetime. And it not only affects uh, things like memory, which is what it is. It's an intense memory that you can get and sometimes. And yes, I get flashbacks here and there. Um, sometimes that is one of the um, symptoms of a post-traumatic stress disorder. Someone who, may hear something or feel something that might be a trigger, they're automatically brought back to that particular time. It was so traumatic for them. And they relive it as if they're watching as the person in a movie or so forth. And it's the most terrifying experience if you've never been through it. Because when you're in the middle of having it, you don't realize that you're in it. And they can come on at any point, which is why you got to be, you know, take care of yourself. And you need to be mindful of these things, know your limitations and know if you have triggers and what those are to avoid them. Um, I've been, I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stresses when I was about 12. So going by how one, you know, comes up, develops post-traumatic stress disorder kind of gives you kind of an idea of how my childhood was that I had post-traumatic stress disorder by 12. And it's, as I said before, my life has not been all sunshine and rainbows. Um, I've overcome a lot. And even after 12, um, there's been some traumatic events, and those things play into my life as well. Um, I've lost, you know, loved ones and so forth. Um, I've witnessed many terrifying things a lot of people wouldn't know how to deal with. But I've overcome those things. And part of the reason I started this show is to kind of show people that, hey, things happen. You know, and it sucks. But as long as you keep going, you can accomplish, you can accomplish any dream you want because um, a lot of people doubted a lot of the things I was doing too, but I did it. So. But the moral of that story, I got on a, on a tangent when I was explaining that when I go to these conferences to talk about whether it be mental health um, or talking about peer mentorship, I was a big brother mentor for many years where I helped out a lot of less fortunate um, young men who needed some type of male a little bit of an older male to look up to, to kind of high, give them tips and try to spend some time with them who came from either broken homes or someone who just need a little bit of a um, male accompaniment, you know, just someone to, you know, kind of to talk to and, um, you know, they could relate to. And I was involved with the uh, Big Brother, Big Sister program many years as um, a high, high offer 
working with them. And I work with the specialized cases due to my background in human services. And I was very proud of that work that I did. I've helped many kids at about a 99% success rate because I realized that, you know, you can't save everyone. Um, I, as much as I want to, you know, make an impact in people's lives and make people and help everyone, I realize I'm human and I can't save everyone. And, you know, there's going to be those, you know, people throughout the times who are, you know, who sometimes fall off of the things that I teach them. Um, you know, it's unfortunate, but it's life. But I'm also proud of the ones who have gone on to do big things. And um, I'd like to say that I, I'm very proud of those people who have gone on to be very successful. And I still see a lot of them people, or I've talked to a lot of those people here and there. So, you know, that's that. But the moral of that story is whenever I go to these types of conventions, you see, or even pop culture, we meet people from all over the world, whether it be all over the United States, all over from Canada, from Europe, from Australia, from Japan, from Russia. And one of the cool things about whether it be a pop culture convention or one of these conferences is whatever it is, is the feeling you know that everyone's there for the same goal. People might have their own ways of why they're going to those things, but they all have the same goal in mind. And it's, it's, no matter what it is, it's kind of what brings you all together and makes you guys all feel, it gives you a sense of you're not alone in the sense that you have, you're surrounded by people who also have similar likes and so forth. A lot of people will ask me, what, why do I go to conventions? Why do I go to these pop culture things? And it's because, you know, when you go to a, I, I told my story before about my going to Comic Con um, on my old pod on my old podcast, but here's my new one. So I'm gonna try to give you the cliff notes of how the pop culture thing started for me, the, the convention thing, because actually it would really develop most of my life, and it's given me a lot of opportunities that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Hmm. Excuse me. I take a sip of my caffeine. Now, it might very well be, um, I, I started going to conventions a long time ago, but um, I had lost my mother. Um, she was hit, struck and killed in a hit and run uh, by a drunk driver. That's not the plus side, and it's not good at all. But what I do remember is that my mother was one of those individuals who loved to have fun, and that my mother also enjoyed... The, uh, she would often do these things where, you know, if I was going to a rock concert, for example, now my mother wasn't that old when she died, but she was older than I was. And when you also think of your mother, you don't really think of someone who wants to go see Metallica or Def Leppard or, you know, one of these rock bands. But my mother was one of those individuals who liked to get involved with everything my mother was also a social butterfly. She liked to be involved with everything. She loved to meet people. But her other thing that she would do, she did pass it on to me. And I'm not proud of it, but I'm also not ashamed of it either. Um, and actually, believe it or not, I actually added it into my studies when I was going to college. And my mother would do this thing where she'd sit, she could sit on a bench at a mall or sit at a, on a bench at the beach or whatever. And she would just observe people and just watch people. And she would sit and 
she got more enjoyment out of what she would call people watching than, you know, going and watching anything on television. Now, granted, when it came to television, as I've mentioned before, I was the one that kind of ran that ran the television when I was younger because I seemed to be the one that had all the taste in the house. <laughs> um, and oddly enough, but not oddly enough, but I mean, my mother was pretty, my family, as I said, my blood family wasn't the greatest in the way, but there wasn't a lot of guidelines, a lot of safety nets. But when it came to like television and things like that, um, that's the one thing that everyone had in common that, you know, we'd get around watching the same television, whatever. My mother was the one who invent, introduced me to horror movies at a very young age. And when, she, when we would watch those horror movies, even as scary as you might think they would be, like Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th, my mother would watch these films and laugh at them, um, at the interesting reactions. And part of it is because, you know, like myself, we laugh when we're nervous. Um, I look at things sarcastically in life um, with a sense of humor. That's kind of how I approach life is with a sense of humor, because I believe you need to have that in order to get through life. And I think my mother also had this, but it's never been really talked about or discussed or whatnot. Okay. So, <laughs> so here's what happens. So anywho, um, anyway, um, my mother was, like I said, a social person. She liked to do fun things and whatnot. But um, when I lost my mother, she was taken from us, like, you know, at a young age. Unfortunately, due to her smoking and whatever, that led her into a wheelchair. At a young age, she was confined to a wheelchair because her breathing was bad due to smoking cigarettes. And that's just cigarettes. Uh, my mother, at a young age, her breathing capacity was that of breathing through a cocktail straw. If you guys know how big a cocktail straw or those itty-bitty tiny coffee stir, that's basically her lung capacity. Um, that's due to severe smoking since a young age, which is why I don't get involved with smoking, drinking, drugging, or anything else because of the effect that I see on the other people in my family and in my life, which I think is good to learn from as bad as it is. Anyway, my mother, when we lost my mother who was going to get coffee, oddly enough, to be the social person that she was. And she was struck and killed and left in the road. Um, I know that sounds a little damper and stuff like that, and I apologize if that's graphic, but that's the reality of it. But after I lost my mother, um, being kind of one of the I'm – I'm the oldest of multiple kids in my family, but also being, you know, her son, um, I realized, you know, that – you know, those I distanced myself from my blood family prior to this a long time ago. And since her passing, I have even that has been even more so the case. I removed myself from even more of that because they're just not positive people. Um, they would constantly insult my mother, whether she was alive or dead. I'm not going to be putting up with that. So I just subtract myself from this situation. Now, that being said, my mother, like I said, she would have this thing where she'd meet all these friends. Everyone's her friend. She goes to the coffee shop. They're her friend. The person at the, co- the, person at the convenience store is her friend. Um, you know, the bus driver she sees like six times a week or twice a week, that's her friend. The delivery a domino guy, that's her friend. You know what I mean? So everyone's her friend. Uh, my mother would tell these jokes about, well, not, I don't know about jokes, but. 
she would often say that um, she, when she was delivering pizzas, she delivered pizzas like Fred Durst from um, Lincoln from Limp Biscuit, or she would bring Sully food um, when from Godsmack, Sully um, from Godsmack. She would deliver him food in New Hampshire and blah blah blah. And I'm like, yeah, okay, ma. So kind of, that's kind of what kind of started it. But one day I was sitting at home. And um, I've already been successful in the wrestling business. Um, I was actually early in my wrestling business. In the, uh, I was probably like 20, 21. And, well, actually, no, that's not true, is it? No. Anyway, <laughs> convention started around that time after my mother's passing. I can't actually remember the year it was. I apologize. I remember the year she died. I just don't remember what year, you know, I started going to these. I've been to the, like, let's put it this way. I've been to, like, wrestling stuff, like wrestling meet and greet since I've come from the wrestling world. That's where I met my wife, in fact, prior to my mother. Um, unfortunately, my mother really never got a chance to meet my wife, my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife. And unfortunately, she never got to meet my her grandkids, my kids, which uh, sometimes bums me out a little bit because I'll be interested to see. You know, if they think I'm something and I'm a hot ticket, as my mother would say, then <laughs> where do they get a load of her? But anyway, as I was sitting there one day, um, this is prior to you know me and my wife getting together and started dating again, seriously and stuff. But I was sitting there after my mother passed. And I said, how can I do something to distract myself? Um, I was, you know, living alone at that time. I was single. Well, single-ish, on and off with the girlfriend at the time, uh, who's not my wife, anyway. But prior to that, I just kind of separated everything. Um, and I looked at what can I do, what, what, what are things that I like? I've already been successful in the wrestling business, and I remember this is in 2010 now, the now that I remember. As I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, you know, I started doing this thing where, you know what, I like films as I've already been successful in filmmaking and I've also you know had some people I thought needed recognition I think there are a lot of people in Hollywood and whatever I felt needed to have you know some words of encouragement but I also wanted to you know share with them stories about what they have done for me or my wife or my life in general my mother or whatnot and I started writing to these people and of course over time, I would send them a copy of my autograph in exchange for theirs. It was kind of like an autograph trading type thing. So I would send them a copy of my wrestling autograph, and they'd send me one in return. So I, after a while, I started getting this collection and also started really networking with these people to get to know these people by writing back and forth the old pen pal thing. This is snail mail, and a lot of people have their beliefs on it or whatever, but it's never bothered me doesn't bother me in the least bit. Someone always asks me for an autograph. I never say no. Um, so it's cool. You know what I mean? And they don't have to, you know, send me one in return or whatever. It's, at least I know that I appreciated them. That's the way I look at it. Um, so as I was sitting there one day and I was, you know, home from work or whatever, and I'm sitting there watching television. I had taken a break from television also because, for the most part, there was nothing on television I was really into at the moment. Um, I, you know, South Park, as much as I like South Park, I'm like, you know, 
when you're living alone, there's certain kind of things you have to, you know, subtract so that you can, you know, successfully live and also do other things. Now, I was rarely home anyway, so I didn't really have time for television, per se. Um, Yeah, I didn't have time for television, so I would, you know, get involved with other things. Like, I would... um, I'd be out and about going to the coffee shops. I would be meeting people. I'd be going to to the movies. I'd be... I I can't sit in the house. I'm not one of those people, which is why this whole thing is crazy to me. But, um, you know, I would be out and about. But when I'd come home, you know, other than, you know, social media at that time, early stages, or, or, you know, making the YouTube stuff early in the early days of jazz fitness or whatever, during the middle of my wrestling stuff, I would, you know... You know, I, I basically the moral of the story is I ended up coming across this I got cable eventually because I found out that I like The Walking Dead. And then when I found out I like The Walking Dead, because I don't like reality television, really. So although I did tr- audition for America's Got Talent, but that's another story for another time. But I don't really like the reality television stuff, the fake families and or the families of these people we never heard of and all these other things. I don't think there's any difference between Big Brother, Big Sister, um, the Kardashians, and I don't run into any of that. Road Warriors, whatever the heck it's called, The Bachelor, Bachelorette. And quite frankly, I think these are things that no one's business, the things that go on in these people's lives, but whatever, that's them. To me, I grew up in the 80s, but I also liked a lot of stuff prior to the 80s, a lot of the sitcoms that we grew up with. To me, that's television. Shows like Roseanne, Married with Children, um, Facts of Life, Growing Pains, Family Ma- Family Ties, Family Matters, Dinosaurs. Um, I mean, Saturday morning cartoons. These are the areas that I grew up in. Kids today have no idea what Saturday morning cartoons are all about. Well, our kids do because my wife and I, on occasion, will you know put on YouTube. Thankfully, there's places you can find them. We show them the things that we grew up with and our kids are appreciative of that kind of nostalgia that we grew up with. Now it's nostalgia to us. It was what we grew up with, but, um, the walking dead, I, I still read comic books and graphic novels and I really, um, started getting into the walking dead. I saw Walsh's show and whatnot. But as I'm flicking around one day, I come across this live feed from San Diego comic-con. I don't know what it was. I never heard of it. <laughs> to be honest with you guys, I feel kind of embarrassed that I never heard of Comic-Con prior to this. Now, already at this point, I've already started this kind of autograph trading thing. Um, that I've already done this for about a year and a half or so. And I've already made some films and I've already met some of these people during meet and greets and so forth at wrestling shows or whatever, or working with them on sets and stuff. But when... I saw this live feed of, I don't remember what it was. It was like a live feed of this panel. I said, wow, what is this Comic-Con thing? And I looked into it, and it sounded like there was going to be people there, live people you could meet in front of you. Didn't know anything about it. I said, i got to check this out. Is there one closer to me, the San Diego thing? Well, San Diego Comic-Con was over. As I, you know, modern-day thing is you Google it, right? I Googled pop culture conventions, and I'm shown... An ad for New York Comic Con. Again, I don't know anything about conventions yet. And I was working at that time, my day job, if you would, as I had multiple other things going on. By the way, at this time, 
I'm also working as a volunteer at a, at, a, at a kind of a day program for adults with mental illness. So I'm working there. I work for Big Brother Big Sister. Um, I'm an advisor for a lot of things. I'm the youth human rights officer for all youth programs in the South Shore area of Massachusetts. So I had a lot going on. Um, not to mention, you know, my growth at the time and the kids here and there. Um, until we, you know, finally decided it was time to kind of cement this whole relationship thing. But anywho, um, I had all this going on, a lot of things going on, but I saw Comic-Con going on. I'm working at a movie theater at the time, um, you know, for a day job, something to do on top of everything else I'm doing. And wrestling on weekends and everything else I'm doing, I need something in the middle. So I worked at a movie theater and, um, and I come to find out about Comic-Con. New York Comic-Con was the first thing I found. And I saw all of these people going to be there. I believe it was Sean Astin from The Goonies. Um, and Christopher Lloyd from Back to the Future. And multiple other things. Because I know these people from other things, from you know my respect for them from growing up. I mean, Sean Astin, a lot of people will say, oh, that's Sean Astin from The Goonies. But to me, Sean Astin's been doing other things since The Goonies. I remember Sean Astin from... You know, various other things like um, Whitewater. Um, it was a movie he did with Kevin Bacon called Whitewater uh, something rather. And then there was another one he did, Sean Astin. And of course, we all know Rudy. We all know Lord of the Rings. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Of course, we are, I already mentioned Goonies, but Sean Aston's been around a little bit. And I had a lot of respect for Sean Aston. Plus, he spelled his name like mine. So I thought that was awesome. I said, I want to go say hi to Sean Aston, not knowing anything about any of this stuff. So I would keep track of this Comic-Con thing. I put my time off for, from work because I decided I'm going to go to this Comic-Con. And originally, I had planned to go with a friend of mine who was going to drive, and I was going to give him half the money of the train, and I mean, half the money of the gas money because at the time, I didn't drive yet. Um, so we went down to Comic-Con, him and I, and, um, we, I got the hotel, I got the tickets, I got everything all set to go. Now I'm going to subtract all of the things that in between stuff, like about how, you know, work, you know, wasn't even though work respect the fact I got my time in for my request for my vacation time, which I never took vacations, but that's is when I started taking vacations and I started going to these conventions. So I went to Comic-Con not knowing what I was in for. And when I came into, there's a difference between going to a wrestling meet and greet and going to one of these pop culture conventions like a Comic-Con. 
you go to a wrestling meet and greet, you're going to be around. I'm going to be around a bunch of wrestlers who I've known for a little while, or people who have, I've grown up in the business with, or I've watched, and I give them my thanks, like I do for everything else. So I go to Comic Con and uh, whatnot adventures, and right away I'm noticing the massive amount of people, and I mean massive. <laughs> um, it was more people than you would ever imagine in your life. Um, and the one thing that I noticed, a couple things I noticed. One, some of them had costumes, which is cool. I've heard of this. as Since already by the time Comic-Con came, I've done the research. I've seen some people do this cosplay thing, which I totally wasn't 100% prepared for, but I, I knew of it at that point. Hadn't seen it yet in person. I mean, of course, us being a family of, you know, people who celebrate Halloween a lot, I mean, costumes are no big deal. Plus, in wrestling, people wear costumes anyway, right? Anyway, Comic-Con comes along, and oh boy, was that interesting, the cosplay. And then you add in the elements of, that was the one thing I was talking about. Some people had costumes, some people didn't. Um, Some people were going to listen to the panels and listen to all these new things coming out. Some people wanted to meet the celebrities like myself and say thank I When I meet celebrities, I want to say thank you to these people for, you know, service, for helping people like myself getting into the business to begin with, which is what I did with Sean Astin. And actually, fun fact, Sean Astin is the first person at a, at a convention I met. Um, we had a very wonderful conversation also. We shared, you know, the respect for the fact that we had our names spelled the correct way, which years later, now that I've be alongside Sean Astin signing at these things. He would, um, you know, show his appreciation for me, and we'd say, oh, it's a real Sean, and whatnot, kind of an ongoing joke. But, um, anywho, but, yeah, those people who go for that, you know, some of the people who go for the panels, some people who go for the game stuff, some people go for the book stuff, some people go for the toy stuff, some people go for the comic books in general, some people who want to go to the art thing. Some people want to do the cosplay thing. Some people there for speed dating. Sorry, sci-fi speed dating. You have Klingon. You have Star Troopers. You have Harry Potters. You have X-Men. You have Wonder Woman. You have Superman. You have Captain Marvel. Deadpool everywhere. And many versions of all of the ones I mentioned and then some. And then you have people like me who just don't get dressed up and just there for whatever. Now, fun fact, I did try to cosplay my first day um, on Comic-Con. I can honestly tell you it was a fail. (laughs) I was trying to go as the pro, uh, representing, you know, Brennan Brennan Lee, the pro. Um, Unfortunately, (laughs) now, for the fun fact, I am pretty good about, you know, makeup and so forth. But by the time I got to Comic-Con and got into Comic-Con because of how early I had to get there was, um, the sweat was going like crazy because I was already dying of the heat because even though it's in October, you have all of this mass body mass everywhere. And by the way, there, every convention you see has a Q&A page, and one of the things they always recommend, or they say over and over again, and it's so funny because it's so true, is you should wear deodorants. Please wear deodorants. Deodorant required. And the reason for that is because, for some odd reason, 
people don't listen to this, and there are people who do not wear deodorant when all of these people are in this environment. Um, these are things that our kids know to do anyway. You don't leave the house without, you know, making sure you're ready to leave the house. But, you know, whatever the case may be, it doesn't matter if I'm going to Comic-Con or going to the store to get, you know, a, a thing of uh, whatever. But, you know, you always go out presentable in public. You know, comb your hair, you know, things like that. But apparently at Comic-Con, as much as people pay attention to painting their faces and, you know, whatnot, or paying homage to their heroes, they forget to put deodorant on for some reason, or to wear cologne, or to brush their teeth, or all those things. I mean, I'm not picking on those people. I'm really not. But also... And this is kind of acting as a PSA. Where do you order when you go to these places? Just, you know, in case no one's ever told you you should, here you go. Consider it a gift. That's when conventions happen up again, please wear deodorant. Thank you. And your fellow convention goers will thank me and thank you as well. <laughs> so anyway, that was my only PTA. But I noticed those things as well. And my whole thing about that is, you know, you're here in this, environment to pay homage to the people who you respect or to say hello to the person who you respect, but you're going to go up to them and not shower or be clean or, or you have an odor. I mean, is that really the first image you want that person to associate with? And that's the way I look at it. And I'm not going back to the thing I just ended. I'm just adding on to what I was observing, but, and when I talk about a lot of people, I'm talking there's very limited work moving involved in this in this environment. What's funny about New York Comic Con was that it was in the same exact building as the American Got Talent audition that I had to go to a number of years prior. So I knew where the Javits Center was. And this is also like my third time outside of wrestling. I've been in New York because you know, I've been to New York for wrestling, you know, to be involved in wrestling or to watch wrestling or being something of the wrestling nature, but I've never actually been to New York for the tech of it. Uh, but the Javits, I was aware of, and I knew it was big, but when you have that many people for either America's Got Talent or this thing, and I'm going to also tell you, there was more people at Comic-Con than there was there for America's Got Talent, and there was a great amount of people there, too. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I'm, you know, envisioning it in my head, what I was observing. It was, it was a cool time. It really was. Um, and I was struck by, you know, all of these things. And as I'm seeing these, you know, things in my head. Now, I had said before that one of the things about me is that I can subtract myself from a situation and look at things in various different ways. As I was at Comic-Con, I subtracted myself as I'm sitting and observing, something my mother used to like to do, all of these things going on. I'm like, wow. And when you go to the grocery I want you guys to think about when you're in a grocery store or you're in an elevator or on a bus. Think of what it's like to have all of these people squished together. Usually in the supermarket or whatever, people are really high strong. People get upset. Or at, the bu- or at the bus, you know, you have all these people you don't know snuggling together. Usually they're not the nicest people in the world, right? <laughs> but Comic-Con has this magical thing where everyone doesn't care. 
Uh, you're huddled together. People don't care. Someone asks you to watch something, you watch it for them without having to worry about something stealing it on you. You're not made fun of like you are outside of Comic-Con for liking the things that you like. Um, you know, a lot of people have this, you know, misconception that people who go to Comic-Con are, quote, nerds, people who read comic books or whatever. Well, Comic-Con is one of those places, one of those few places that you, the comic book people who like to read the comic books can get together and not get picked on for reading comic books. In fact, they're celebrated for doing so and awarded for it. Um, you know, so, you know, one of the, the, the whole thing about that is all of these pop culture conventions, all of these conventions in general is gives you a sense of a belonging. You're not so different than everyone else there. Everyone's there for something, regardless if you're there for the, the autographs or the books, the collecting, the, the cosplaying or whatnot, you're all there because you're all in love with pop culture. You're all there because you have a common goal, you have a common like, and you meet people all over the place for that. I met my wife at a wrestling convention. Why? Because my wife likes wrestling, sometimes even more than I do, and I, and I like her, have been in wrestling. But, you know, these are things that go on. I come to find out there are even more wrestling conventions I didn't even know about. Um, so, Comic-Con happened. And I was struck by that. There are a lot of people. I got to meet um, one of the coolest things was I got to hang out with uh, the cast of Robot Chicken, Seth Green, Macaulay Culkin, and all of the cast of Robot Chicken. And a lot of people asked me, hey, what's the best panel you've ever seen? I would say the Robot Chicken panel at New York Comic Con, any of the times I've seen it, has been a stand-up awesome time. Um, I don't think Robot Chicken's on anymore, but I don't think that sub Seth Green and the cast to show up there because Seth Green's a cool dude. Um, Macaulay Culkin's a class act. A lot of people, you know, believe the hype and are quick to judge him, including my friend who was with me. He was like, oh, look at this weirdo doing the Q&A. And I'm like, well, that weirdo is a multimillionaire and you, you still have your mother paying your car insurance bill. <laughs> so is that. <laughs> but anyway, um, it was a fun time, and it was a really good time. But what's funny is, and this is kind of one of those downfall, not downfall things, but so <laughs> this is actually what spiraled me into getting deeper into this convention thing. Now, at the end of Comic-Con, I've already, you know, thanked the people who I wanted to thank for helping me, inspire me for doing various things. I got to network with these awesome people. People like Sean Aston and Dana Barron, who was the original Audrey in the Christmas, I'm sorry, in the uh, vacation films. I got to meet Harris Thiemann from <laughs> um, the original Willy Wonka on the Chocolate Fire, Mike TV, and, you know, all these other people I got to pay homage to who I watched growing up or whatnot. And I learned things I probably wouldn't know if I didn't get the chance to talk to these people one-on-one. I... And oddly enough, I'm usually good for this kind of stuff, the little um, who's related to who. I found out because Sean Aston told me that his mother was Patty Duke, and I had no idea that he was Patty Duke's son. And I, most people don't even, my age, probably forget who Patty Duke is. But thanks to my aunt and uncle making me watch Nick at Night, I knew who Patty Duke was. <laughs> and I knew his dad, too, from 
the Adams family. Um, so go figure. Small world, right? Amazing what happens when you get to talk to these people. <laughs> but anyway, at the end of convention, I realized a couple things. One, my friend was not cut out for conventions because um, after day one, he was already tapping out and hanging out in the hotel. Me? All right, drop me off. I'm ready to go. But it was what happened at this convention, or what didn't happen at this convention, which got me involved with discovering more of these, because I had no idea there were even more of these. I figured, oh, New York Comic Con, that's cool. I'll do that next year. But as I was there, one of the things I was going for was to, <laughs> I got to meet, I was going to have to go see The Walking Dead. I got a little thing that said, you know, Show up at X, show up at you know by seven o'clock in the morning on Saturday, and you get to meet the cast of The Walking Dead. I said, "Oh, that's awesome!" I said, "But you know what?" Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I know how these lines work now, so I'm going to go up early. My friend said, well, how early want me to drop me off? He said, drop me off at 3 o'clock in the morning. I think it was 3. Yeah, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. That would have been 2.30, 2 3 o'clock. I kid you not. This is in Manhattan, New York. I said, yeah, just drop me off in, at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning in Manhattan in front of the Javits Center. Now, you would think at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm the only one in line, right? <laughs> Well, I thought that, too, until I realized that was number 51 in line. I kid you not. 51 in the line. Well, I know it was 51 in line for one good reason. And the reason is is because I, at that time, I didn't have the smartphone because why do I need such a fancy thing? And I didn't get any updates so that everyone else apparently did. <laughs> so... I, unfortunately, found out while I was waiting in the line, they were only taking the first 50 people in line to meet The Walking Dead. <laughs> and I was 51. But I got to meet the, walk, the robot chicken guys instead. So that was my consolation. And then I had said, okay, well, I can't see, I can't hang out and thank them for everything in person. I go check out their panels to see how that goes. And I'll thank them there. So... I show up three hours before their panel starts. I go in the line. I'm third in line to go in, kind of like I did for the robot chicken panel the night prior. I went. To, I was the third line to go into the into the hall, and I come to find out you do not have to leave the hall of a convention if you don't have to or if you don't want to. 
So I never got to go into the Walking Dead panel. I had to watch it on the screen outside the room as Robert Kirkman made fun of us for not being early, <laughs> even though it was three hours early to do so. <laughs> anyway, these are the things that you learn. These are the funny things looking back. As I came home from Comic-Con, I say, you know what? I didn't get to thank those guys for The Walking Dead. I'm going to fix that. I'm going to find out if there's any more of these things. And I'm going to go track them down if I have to, and I'll make sure I thank them. That sounds a weird thing now that I think about it. That's what I said. Um, I knew a lot of those guys from doing other things outside of that. I mean, I knew Andrew Lincoln from um, Love Actually, which was one of my favorite Christmas movies, believe it or not. I knew um, Derek, I knew Norman Reedus from uh, the the um, the Boondock Saints, as my wife likes to remind me. Actually, I like that Boondock Saints. He was good in that. And I've known, you know, some of the other people from other things I've seen over the years. But <laughs> um, when I came home, I, I found out that, you know, first there was a convention that had one or two of them. And then there was one that had one. And then I found this one in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, that was going to have six or seven of them. And some of those people who I really wanted to say thank you to and I wanted to go pay homage to were going to be here at Cherry Hill, New Jersey. I said, well, where the heck is Cherry Hill, New Jersey? And I realized also Cherry Hill, New Jersey was still a heck of a lot closer than Chicago, which I was originally planning on going for two people. Six is better than two, and I know that. Then I come to find out at this very same place, not only are they going to have the Walking Dead there, but now they're also going to have one of the people from one of my favorite shows, Sons of Tucson. Tyler LeBain is going to be there. Oh, well, that's kind of cool, huh? And then they added all these other people that I used to have a lot of respect for. Danielle Harris from the Halloween series. Kane Hodder, a good friend of mine who I'd see at wrestling shows here and there. And numerous other people. Tyler LeBain. Tyler, Main, Tyler Levine's brother. Then, of course, speaking of the Levines, we've got Tyler Maine himself, the man who played Michael Myers in Rob Zombie's Halloween, as well as Sabretooth. But what you may not know is Tyler Maine is also a former pro wrestler. So these are things that, you know, I got to partake in. I, went to, I said, I'm going to find out where this is. It's Cherry Hill, New Jersey. It's called Monster Mania Convention. So modern day time. I do research. I find out where it is. Well, it's Cherry Hill, New Jersey. It's a stone throw away from Philadelphia. I've actually never been all the way down that far. Other side of the wrestling goes, because I've been to the post ECW arena and stuff and whatnot. Me, myself, driving, that's the furthest I've driven. <laughs> I can tell you that so far. But uh, Monster Mania Convention, I got to meet a lot of the people who work for the show itself. I became friends with Dave Hagen, Doug Hagen. Um, I have a lot of respect for David. I'm getting to get to know him a little bit. He's Dave oldest son. Um, they're all a really cool family, the Hagens, and they've become really good friends of ours, really, over the years. And also, this is like the family environment, because this is a hotel show, different than the convention I already had gone to prior, which is a convention hall type show. And Dave and the Hagens' view on that is they feel like the hotel shows are a little bit more personal, and you know what? I agree with them. Um, so now... Fast forward to many years later, I still go to that Monster Mini convention every year, whether I'm signing or just as a guest, because 
Um, that's what I do for my birthday. And my family goes down with me. And that's our family vacation once a year. Um, even the kids, the kids look forward to it because I pulled them out of school on Thursday or Wednesday. Uh, yeah, Thursday, I pulled, they won't go to school because I drive early in the morning and we get down there in no time because these are the things you do when you want to do the things you have to get done. Anywho, that's the story of how Comic-Con and conventions started for me. Um, so that was fun. But... Anywho, I want to get back on track here. That I've, we've had story time with the icon here. I don't regret for one moment getting to go to these things and meeting these people and thanking these people. It's given me the opportunity to meet a lot of my heroes in film um, and whatnot. And the Hagens go out of their way to, you know, usually bring in the guests who I ask them to bring in every year for my birthday, whether they admit to it or not. I know what's up. I remember a conversation I had one time with the promoter of Monster, of Monster Mania, Dave. I told him how when I was younger, a little kid, I had a crush on the Shining Twins growing up. One of those random, I was a kid. Wouldn't you know that maybe that very same October when they started announcing guests for Monster Mania, and of course they were on a list, but Dave announced that the Shining Twins are happen to come to Monster Mania in March in time for my birthday. Oh, gee, I wonder where you got that idea. And this is, part, this is their first actual convention in years and the first time they've been seen in years. Just happened to be at the one that the guy who I told I had a crush to for them was there. But anyway, that's a fun little uh, tidbit thing. It's cool. So, all right. But anyway, folks, sadly, this year we haven't been able to do any law of that because of everything else going on. But I hope to return in May, which is when Monster Mania has been rescheduled to. So I hope we get there. We have the room ready to go. And Dave and the Hagans, we're coming. So I look forward to seeing you and all of our Monster Mania family members. That's what we've become. They're at their own unofficial family reunion. Anyway, let's talk about Dream Masters. We have the show floor coming up, and I began talking about this, and I got the sidetrack by telling you all these other stories. This is the fun of my life, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so, anyway, the moral of the story is, is um, you know, this show is really catching a lot of steam, and a lot of people are really liking this show. People have always liked the show. Um, we've always gotten a lot of good feedback from the show, but now more and more of the people who are modeling these you know, call it the creative wrestlers after they um, are really enjoying their images and they're getting a kick out of seeing what their characters are going to do. And, you know, I'll tell you what, the only gripe I have, not gripe, but if there was a way that I might actually start doing it in just a little written form instead of me having to do it all the time, it's just add in the description, maybe none of the, none of the matches you're about to see are chosen by us. We have no control over any of the outcome. That would probably be the smartest idea. Rather than me have to say it every single match, every single show, or now every other show, because I feel like we have an audience enough that people should know by now that we have no control over the matches and how our show works, because that's honestly how it does. Uh, we build the people, we put them in a ring, we set the demo, the computer picks them, the system picks the winner, not us. We have no control over it. I just call the action or whoever I am with calls the action about it. And 
That's how it works, folks. Fun facts. That also means that the, the wrestlers, the, the characters themselves are the ones winning and losing on their own. We have no control over that either. So there's the fun stuff. Even when they cash in their cases of fate, so to speak, like we've seen time and time again, we, we don't even know when they're going to do that because everything's set to automatic and whatever happens, happens. Live. Anyway, let's talk about the show tomorrow. Tomorrow's the 4th of, of January. It's a jam-packed show, folks. I'm not going to lie to you. It's actually a two-part large show. <laughs> and first of all, because 2020, um, a lot of people weren't fond of the year itself. But on our show, and the way I see it, um, it's given me the opportunity, and I've said this on social media a couple times last, even, even recently, that if it's, it's given me the opportunity to see a lot of these people on various um, things like, you know, YouTube and um, Instagram specifically, or Twitter, whatever, people who are doing amazing things, and I feel like they need to be recognized for doing these amazing things, people who are trying to make their goals and their dreams happen, whether it be, you know, in the theater or the arts or being in combat sports or sports or being, you know, whatever the case may be, whether it be fitness or whatever the case may be, I think everyone should have a goal in life. And I think it's important to know that dreams do come true if you're willing to put the work into it. The people on our roster are those people who do these things. And I'm proud of every single person who I've put on my, our roster. And I love that over the time of this year, I've gotten to know a lot of those people individually. And they've really given me great feedback about how much they like our show and respect our show. Um, just last night, our longtime friends, like I, I just started talking about Minty earlier, but Minty Comedic Art, who we, you know, we enjoy his stuff at home. We made him a, a character like three or four years ago during our show, and my son and I were working on it together. And Minty's just finding out now, <laughs> that took us a little long, but he's there now, and now he's a huge fan. Not only is he a fan of it, he's posting his pictures and seeing how proud he is that he is part of it. And it's awesome to see. We've also had some younger um, stars on our show who have posted their matches that they're proud of, how they've won and whatever. And that's so awesome to see that people appreciate it like that. And that's honestly what we're hoping for. What originally started as a way to cheer my son up who was sick from school. And then it would turn out, to, it then went into us, you know, trying to find out who's better than who and answer those questions has evolved to us, to me, using it as a way to showcase to the world these amazing people from everywhere who ultimately will become dream masters of tomorrow. So let's get into the card, okay? Because there's a lot of it. So first of all, we're having a double tournament starting, that's tomorrow. And that's, this is fun, so. Okay. On our show, we don't just give awards. We don't give titles. We believe you should earn everything. Uh, We have a lot of great, talented people on our roster this year. We had a lot of great additions, and I think they're people who need to be celebrated, um, whether they're good or bad and whatnot. Um, And our show tomorrow is going to be broken into two parts. One is the double tournament to crown the best tag team and the best solo Dream Master of the Year. And also, we're going to have our standard wrestling regular show where we'll have the titles on the line and so forth. 
So let me go through the tournament first. Uh, then we'll get into the main card. Now, if you don't hear, you know, one of the people who we're not talking about, where it's because they're probably on involved somewhere else. So just know that even if this, you don't hear the name, they're involved in some way somewhere on the show. Okay, so here we go. Again, these are, I put the matches together and the winners win. We have no control over anything. So here we go. So for the tournament. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the tag, in the tag team division, we're going to have the B team, which is the YouTube and social media young up-and-comers, Brock and Boston taking on Cole and Dylan Sprouse, the Wonder Twins, in the opening of the tag team tournament. Brock and Boston, former MM, former F-World icon, remasters tag team champions already. So they know a few things about winning. So they're going to kick things off, taking on the Wonder Twins, who they've never faced. But I do know the Wonder Twins have been wanting this match, and they're going to get it. So... And actually, it's going to be interesting. It's two sets of twins going at each other. <laughs> should be interesting in general. So B-team, which is Brock and Boston, taking on the Wonder Twins, Colin Dylan Sprouse. And also, in the, we'll just break it down like this. The tag team, then the solo. So for the, also, in the next tag team qualifier, we're going to have Beavis and Butthead. You know them. Taking on the Stritzel Fight Club, Mason and Carter Stritzel. Both former FRL Icon Dream Masters Tag Team Champions as well as FRL Iconic MMA Grand Prix Champions. Uh, they're going to be reforming the team, taking on Beavis and Butthead. We're going to have the Shine family due to Jeff. Jeff Shine, unfortunately, has suffered an undisclosed injury. We're not, told, we're not really 100% on what it was. Um, some people say it's his knee or his elbow, but... Due to injury, Jeff is unable to to um, compete. So Frank has asked his son, Frank Jr., since he's an active member on our roster, to join him. So now they're going to be the Shine family taking on the lucky ones, Jack and Tim, the musicians from Britain's Got Talent. Um, also, you're going to have the father-son fist bump, Gabe and Austin. You guys know the father-son fist bump. You should. They're one of the greatest podcasts ever. Um, much like our, my son and I had the greatest duo, tag team duo, uh, uh, remasters. Anyway, anyway, Gabe and Austin, who have been a huge supporter of the show, um, they're going to be taking on the Chrisleys. <laughs> yes, I kid you not. The Chrisley knows best, guys. And then 
that is the tag team uh, tournament. So four and four. And then for the solos, you have, and I quote, for the singles tournament, we're going to have Igor Kinderhulk taking on the Crip Boy, Sean Perfett, representing the F4L Welsh chapter. Um, we're going to have new star Billy Elliott making his debut against Chad White. I love him. I hate him. He's still part of the roster. He had a great 2020 uh, for some. We have also making his singles debut, but not his first debut, as he's already been involved on the show once. Amos McNamara from the Connors, taking on Ivan the Dolphin Shark, our very first F4L icon, Grandmaster Champion of the new season. And, of course, in the final, it'll be the undefeated Shaheen Blue taking on the former F4L icon champion, Jojo the Bodybuilder. So that's our tournament you're going to see. Whatever happens, happens there. We're going to have a clear winner. There's not going to be any nail-biting things, and we're not going to leave you hanging. It's going to go all the way down to the nitty-gritty, so to speak. So let's talk about our main card. Uh, This is our card standard. This is what you'd see normally when we're not doing a tournament like this. That was actually just to crown the 2020 Performer of the Year, because these other people are involved in other things. Because we... You know, no double dipping, you know what I mean? Anyway, we're going to have the kickoff. We're going to have Yusony Verkovitz, number 13, the Russian football star, taking on pop singer from Canada, Justin Bieber. <laughs> that ought to be interesting. And we're going to have the Warrior Wrestling F-World Icon Championship on the line as the rebel Michelle Cole Stevens defends the title against the returning Sonia Shine, who's never had the title opportunity. In addition, you'll have the F4L Dream Mashes icon tag team champions on the line. And this is one of the first times we're going to have two guys, two teams who are about the same size as the Viking Raiders, Sleepy Bear and Triple D, will be taking on the world's end, Bane and Doomsday. Yes, that's exactly who you think it is if you hear that noise, those names. Ban and Doomsday, the villains of villains, trying to dethrone the crowd favorite Sleepy Bear and Triple D. Should be interesting. Um, Dream Master F4L Icon MMA Grand Prix champion online as the new champion, Leo the Bull Curtis, due to the fact that Gabe is taking part in the tournament. Um, Leo the Bull Curtis is going to be defending the MMA Grand Prix championship against newcomer Ninja Sam. We don't know much about Ninja Sam, but we're told he is deviously trained from the land of the rising sun. He's going to be challenging Leo the Bull Curtis. Good for him. The WOW Tag F-World Icon Tag Team Championships are on the line as my wife and her good friend, DJC uh, of the Squared Circle Cafe, defending the F-World Warrior Wrestling Icon Champion against the New Way. Candice LeRae and Dakota Kai. Of course, we have a grudge match. Loser leaves town. As Lil Wayne, the rapper, takes on Michael Fishman from the Corners, who is our current F-Up Down Down champion. Um, the title is not on the line, by the way, but it is a but little it is a loser leaves town match. So we'll see how that works out as Lil Wayne and Michael Fishman put their grudge to the, to the max. And the loser will leave town. And, of course, 
we have that iconic dream match that everyone's wanted to see. And people have wondered what would happen if it would. And then we're going to find out as the dream team is about to go one-on-one. As Riley Simmons, the current reigning Dream Masters F4L champion, will defend against his returning best friends and fellow tag team partner, Ethan Smith. Should be an epic match. Ethan, of course, won on G- December 24th the right to challenge the champion as he made his this surprising return by defeating 29 other superstars in our holiday melee to earn the right to challenge Riley Simmons. That should be awesome. And we've already been told that regardless, win or lose, yes, they're going to remain the closest of friends and reform the team that everyone loves so much. And if that's the case, then the Viking Ra- the, whoever wins between the Viking Raiders and the World's End had better watch out. Is a dream team coming. And then, in the main events of the main card, <laughs> a lot of heat on this one. So, the OK Thank You guys, Mike, Tristan, and Robin, have had a, right now they have a record right now as, I don't know, playing spoilers, I guess, or being responsible for people leaving. I don't know what that's all about. But I do know this. Since OK Thank You, the YouTube show with Mike Tristan and Robin, as I just said, have joined the roster. They have already retired the, the you know, Dream Master horror icons, Robert England and Kane Harder, better known as the Horror Connection. They've also retired, are uh, responsible for the leaving of Buddy the Elf and the Christmas um, trio. Um, this all is <laughs> documented stuff. Um, go back and watch all those awesome matches if you want. But um, back on uh, on J- is December 24th, Mike took on Luke Skywalker in a match, and Luke was not happy about how Mike dominated him. And the challenge was made by Mike's hero, Luke Skywalker, to Mike, saying that he's going to get two of his friends, and he and Mike should go get his other friends from OK Thank You. It's Challenge Mike and OK Thank You to a six-man elimination match. And Luke Skywalker says if he can't defeat, if he and his friends cannot defeat OK Thank You, then Luke Skywalker says he's going to go to a galaxy far, far away. Those are the words out of his mouth. So we don't know for certain, because the card is subject to change, as it also says on the bottom of this card. However, there are some speculations on who his friends are. Um, okay, thank you, of course. We already know who that team is. We know that's Mike, Robin, and Tristan, uh, who already demonstrated they know how to all work as a team. However, Luke, rumor and speculation says that we're going to see his friend Han Solo. That would make sense, but surprisingly enough, joining them is Harry Potter. That's a, this is a Comic-Con dream right here. Have Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Harry Potter all on one team taking on the OK Thank You Boys, all because Luke Skywalker is not happy about losing the mic. Yep, that's a thing. (laughs) So we're going to have to find out what happens as that is scheduled for tomorrow. And the tournament happens tomorrow. (laughs) And all of that will be up on YouTube that you guys can watch and enjoy and whatever. Always remember, you guys can join up 
And if you guys have any suggestions, you dream matches you want to see, or if you want to be an icon, just let us know at wowdreammatches at gmail.com. That's W-O-W-D-R-E-A-M-M-A-T-C-H-E-S at gmail.com. And by all means, send us your requests or whatnot. So that is our epic card for tomorrow. It is the largest card show we've had. Um, and after I looked at the main card here, I realized we do not have technically um, that many matches, all honesty, oddly enough. But they're here. Um, it looks like a much bigger card than it is. It's our standard card, but there seems to be like seven matches, basically, somewhere. Well, maybe it's just, I don't know, we'll find out. So, that is our epic show on Dream Matches on our YouTube show. And we still have 51 minutes to talk. So I had talked about yesterday, the other day on social media, I had mentioned that I wanted to, for fun and for, you know, whatever purposes, there were certain people who in Hollywood I would love the opportunity to work with. But I also said this, you know, maybe some of those, Movies from the 80s that, you know, everything on nowadays are making these remakes of all of these films. And my suggestion to be is instead of making these films that we're remaking, like the horror movies and all these other things, how about we remake one of the movies and fix the biggest issue with those movies? Such as, I want to know, like The Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club is probably a pulp culture favorite by everyone. Breakfast Club is one of those movies you can turn on any Saturday morning, anywhere in the world, and you could probably watch The Breakfast Club. I would have to go on a limb and say, you could probably find out any day on a weekend, you'll find The Breakfast Club somewhere. I have worked in facilities that Breakfast Club has been shown, in both mental health facilities and hospitals and so forth. Um, It's shown in schools everywhere. Breakfast Club is definitely, when you think about an iconic movie, I think The Breakfast Club is one of those films. And oddly enough, even though it is shown in schools and in all these other places, mental health facilities and so forth, the thing to remember is the movie is rated R. <laughs> I know, shocking, right? And as I was studying film in film school, I often wondered, why was this movie rated R? I Granted, I understand there was some swearing, um, and I'm going to guess it has more to do with the swearing and the dialogue than it has anything else because other than, you know, a couple of swears, but by the way, back then it was a little bit more strict than it, than it is now. Like now, you know, you can have like, I think two F words and multiple other things and not have to worry about an R rating back then. I think there was only one F word in the entire movie, maybe two in the breakfast club. Other than that, everything else was, you know, granted it was dialogue and whatever, but breakfast club was a great film and it starred great icons of the eighties. Emilio Estevez, Ellie Sheedy, Molly Ringwald, Anthony Michael Hall, Judd Nelson. And what do these people have in common? These are all people who were labeled quote, the brat pack. Yup. That's what people called them because they were in almost all of the movies in the eighties. And what was interesting about them is other than Anthony Michael Hall and Molly Ringwald, the rest of the cast were, in fact, 
in their early 20s, some older, playing teenagers. Um, we've seen that in Hollywood a lot, in, in, or even in television, where older people will play teenagers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And in the 80s, I was thinking, you know, even recently I was saying, well, why couldn't they have made the Breakfast Club with actual teenagers? They had enough talented young teens back then they could have taken those roles. And I'm not taking anything away from the cast they had. They're all phenomenal actors. Y'all did a great job. I mean, who would want to follow Judd Nelson to play John Bender? <laughs> um, you know, there's only certain people that can pull that off. I think anybody who, you know, whatever, you know, would associate John Bender being, I mean, Judd Nelson as John Bender. Just like, I mean, who better in the 80s would play Brian Butt, Anthony Michael Hall? <laughs> but, you know, once in a while, as a project I like to do, I like to try to think, but this is not just, you know, in this film, but I like to observe um, performances by people in film and Hollywood and television or whatever. And once in a while, I will, I give praise to the people who do really great performance jobs. And I often, you know, commend those um, performances a lot of people might have missed because, you know, maybe they're not in the films that people like to see. Maybe they're in an independent film. Maybe they're on a show that is on Netflix or who that not everyone has access to. Well, I like to try to, you know, give props to people who are doing great work. And I, and for some reason, I don't understand why some actors and actresses are not as, um, not respected, but don't get as much work or credit as I think they should get. Um, but also what I like to do is, okay, well, what would be the defining thing? What would they could do that makes, you know, puts them over that top? So sometimes I'll do this thing. Now, as you guys know, I've written films and television and whatever. And I also, am, you know, with the wrestling show that I do on YouTube, plus in real life wrestling, I've worked in creative. So I've done storylines and so forth, or booking, if you would. Um, so I know how that works. I get how that, you know, how that, you know, all that. But I like to do sometimes is, okay, let's take a film and place some of the talented people who I believe could be talented in this role. And how would that be? So what I did is, believe it or not, I'm a little upset because I lost my little cheat sheet that I made for this. Because I actually wrote out the cast of what I would do with the Breakfast Club today. But the other thing I noticed when I was doing preparation is, well, back in the 80s when the Breakfast Club came out, the whole idea of the premise is you had the cliches in the 80s represented by various people by the stereotypes of that cliche. Mother Ringwald played the prom queen. Brian played the, um, the nerd, the brain. Andrew played the jock. Judd Nelson, most popular character in the whole movie, 
played John Bender, who was the criminal. And, of course, you had Ali Sheedy, who was the outcast. Yep, that was the movie. And then, of course, you had the principal, Principal Vernon, um, who was the principal, because you're not supposed to like the principal, of course. And, of course, they had a janitor pop up and whatever. When I was looking at the cast of the original, um, you know, movie of Breakfast Club, I was shocked to see there was so many, like, roles in this film that I'm like, how is that even a thing? Why is that a thing? Like, um, you know, Ballroom Wall's dad, actually, that's played by John, John, um, John Hughes, actually, that plays her dad. But anyway, multiple other things go on, but, like, why do you need those roles while those are important? Uh, why, but then again, being in film, I get it now that, you know, definitely if you're on film and you're in camera, you definitely deserve credit for being part of a project. I get that. But the film, if they were to remake The Breakfast Club today, one, you would have more cliches than the classic fives that they're represented. In fact, um, to be honest, there's a difference between, see, and I think it's hysterical because if you break down the cliches today in school, um, and yes, these are real things and these are real studies that these cliches still exist, but there's even more. There's also different dynamics of each and breakdowns. <laughs> now, Ali Sheedy's character, believe it or not, her, her role or her cliche is actually not the outcast as much as it's called the normal. Yes, I kid you not, a normal who are invisible because that's exactly what Ali Sheedy felt and was in the role. She was the outcast, and she was kind of just, no one's seen her. No one knows anything about her because she's under the radar. That's the odd thing about, you know, how that's changed. A lot of people think she's the outcast. In fact, she's representing the normal person in school who's invisible. Because when you compare a normal person compared to all these other cliches, then they're just, oh, oh well, you're normal. It was another which, by the way, I hate that term normal and weird because I don't know what the definition of either is until you I meet someone who's, quote, normal. <laughs> I don't know. I'd be interested to see what that person looks like. But anyway, nowadays you'd have to also add in the art crew, the art person who'd be into the art, the person who's into the anime and the, you know, all that stuff. You'd have to add in the person who's doing the drugs and so forth. You'd have to add in the person who's kind of in between everybody, who's not really in any group, he's just kind of floating around. Actually, that's a term called a floater. And then you'd have like the well-rounded guy who's respected by everyone. Everyone loves him. You know, the big, you know, popular guy on campus. You have the prom queens, like I said, the cheerleaders, the jocks, the, you know, and they go on and on. There's so many different troops now that now that Saturday morning detention, instead of the five people you had, now you'd have, what, almost the whole, yeah, every seat in that, in that library would be filled because there's a trope for everyone. There is enough seats in that, gym, in that, in that library to fit all those, those cliches if they have a representative from each. Now, as far as who I would put in those seats, I don't think that it's necessary to cast older people or anyone who's older than they need to be. Um, I think there's plenty of talented young talent 
out there that could definitely play any one of those roles convincingly and realistically and make it be a success. Um, unfortunately, people like um, Jacob Tremblay and um, you know, Jackson R. Scott, who I have a lot of respect for, I think as much as respect as, as much as someday I hope to work with those guys, I think they're too young, obviously, for this role. You couldn't make it them part of this in any way. Um, there's no even a stretch in how you would fit them in there because they're definitely too young to be in the high school setting. However, you have people like, you know, your Finn Wolfhards of the world or the Sophie Lillis's, um, you know, in, you know, Jack, Jack Dylan Glazier and, um, you know, people like that that definitely could fill those roles. Um, Chandler Riggs, you know, from The Walking Dead, I could see him playing, you know, a couple of those roles. You know what else? I, I say, why does it have to be a certain, why does it have to be the same, you know, sex or race as it was in the original? If you're going to change something, just go ahead and change it. If you're going to remake it, remake it. Um, I don't see why you couldn't have someone play the role of John, be a female. Why can't a female be a badass? I see plenty. How about Mary Mauser from... Um, from Cobra Kai. She's doing some amazing work over there. Or even Peyton, is it Peyton, Peyton List, who's in that show as well? Oh, man, my brain's going. But I believe it's Peyton List who's also on that show on Cobra Kai. She plays Tori. And are you kidding me? You're telling me you couldn't buy her being like the, you know, the criminal type thing? And there's several other people as well. But, um, I mean, as far as casting goes, I could easily cast some amazing talents, like I just said. Those people I mentioned could all fit into this role and do it convincingly. Um, I think um, um, Wyatt Olaf, who you guys might know from Stand and It and a couple other things. Of course, young Star-Lord, of course. I could see him fitting into, like, the art group kind of a person. Um, I could see... You know, so there's way too many good talents out there in the world um, that I think that people need to see, recognize a lot more of that, you know. And as far as a uh, principle or whatever, I think if you're going to remake something that's iconic as that and you want it to be bought and you want it to bring the, you want to get the respect, but you don't want people to hate on it too much because you're, you know, taking something people love. The only way I feel that you would get it to go over is if you were to cast, say, a Judd Nelson, or you would adjust, if you were to cast Judd Nelson, Anthony and Michael Hall, and put them in the role of principal and the janitor, or maybe Emilio Estevez in um, Judd Nelson. How funny would it be to see? Judd Nelson playing the principal who back in his early days when he played John Bender took such great pride in tormenting. I mean, how awesome, how original would it be to see Judd Nelson playing that role when he grew up playing the way that the principal played to him. And as far as the janitor goes, I think he could probably fit Emilio Estevez over there as he could be the janitor or maybe, you know, Ryan all grown up, maybe the brainiac that he was, maybe he's doing, oh, maybe we have one of the girls do it. Why can't a woman be a janitor? Maybe 
why can't it be? Why does it have to be a man? Why does the principal have to be a man? How about Mullen Ringwald's the principal? Or Ali Sheedy is the principal? And Judd Nelson is the uh, janitor, or vice versa. What if you take the top two popular people in that group and make them, uh, you know, whatever? And as far as, you know, the little parts like, you know, the sister, the mother, the father dropping them off, they don't really have any kind of substance in this movie. But if you were to add these other, you know, roles in, like I was suggesting, then you would have more of a movie and something more to work with. So there are definitely more cliches today than they were back in the 80s. Um, like I said, I've mentioned off several of them just now. And of course, you know, the original ones would be represented, but you'd have to add these new ones, the arts and this and that, and there's so many tropes now. <laughs> you know, and I say switch it up, and I say you add those, and there's so many talented people out there. I just mentioned several of them, and there's many, many more I'm probably forgetting. And that's sad. <laughs> but the respect I have for a lot of these guys is, unmistakable. I think they're all fantastic individuals. Um, I think they're all going to do big things going forward in their lives. I think they're all talented people. You can always tell the ones who are going to be big, but you can also tell the ones who are going to. um, And it's sad to say that you can see the ones who are kind of being forced into being in front of the spotlight. I'm talking about teen actors because of the fact to pull off the breakfast club the way I believe it should be, you would have to actually use teenagers who would be realistically in the high school. That's why I said people like um, Jackson R. Scott, or Director Robert Scott, as I should say, that's his actual name, as our wrestling show, he's Jackson R. Scott. Um, but Jackson Robert Scott and Ian, Eri- Ian um, Heritage from Young Sheldon and you know, Jacob Tremblay, these are all tremendous talents, but they're too young to be in high school. Like, they're not even too young to be, they couldn't even be bought as freshmen, unless you were to do this thing where they, you know, have a brainiac, but they already have that with, you know, whoever was going to step into the role of Brian, you know what I mean, and, you know, whatnot. So, but they're tremendous talents, nonetheless. Um, Melissa McCarthy is another individual. Shia LaBeouf is another person. Uh, Russell Crowe, uh, Christian Bale. These are all people who I would love to have a chance to work with. Uh, Michael Fishman from the Connors. He, he was my very first guest on the show, in fact. But uh, what I've seen of him and uh, what I've come to learn for, about him, I have a lot of respect for Michael Fishman, what he's gone through in his life and what he's overcome and what he's currently doing. And I, I would have, love to have the opportunity to work on with him a project at some point. Maybe me and Michael Fishman can work on the Breakfast Club. 2.22 some point. So we should, you know, have fun. I'm not saying that for sure, by the way, but I'm just speculating. But, I mean, that would be fun, you know, to work on those types of things. And these are all people who I think deserve a lot more credit than they get. And I think it's sad um, when people will – look at something that someone does who is at a high profile and look really too deep into it. Like um, Roseanne, Roseanne Barr, for example, people came hard on her because part of something she said, and it was like a little itty bitty thing that was said on Twitter and it blew up to her getting fired and being alienated. And I think that's ridiculous. Um, She's done a lot for the TV community and done a lot for, 
you know, people want to, you know, not like Roseanne and people hate on Roseanne for supposedly things that she had said one time. But something I wanted to mention is if it wasn't for Roseanne, a lot of the things that made that show as successful as it was, it was because of how much Roseanne did to push the envelope to make sure those issues that she knew that society should be, should have, um, should be represented. People are quick to throw Roseanne under the bus and say, oh, no, she's not nice and all these other things and the cast of the talk or whatever. You know, maybe they're not allowed to, but I'll tell you one thing. Um, there are certain characters on the show currently that wouldn't be there if it wasn't for Roseanne's influence. Ames McNamara, who we have on our show now, he does a tremendous job, you know, breaking down that barrier, playing a very difficult role for a young man who adds to that, you know, list of people who are I love who I think there's a lot of respect for. But in the same sense, he wouldn't that character would never be able to be on any other television program if it wasn't for Roseanne's influence to get him on that program and present it in that way when everyone else would never say would never even touch that. Even back in the day, Roseanne was one of the first people to make the lesbian and LGBT thing a, a common day thing. And she has done a lot of great stuff to promote women's rights and to promote various other things for herself as Jewish. But she has overcome and done a lot of that stuff and her show is successful and was successful at that time because of all of the influence that she put in to making that show what it was. And she fought tooth and nail to have a lot of those things. That a lot of people said, Oh no, you can't do that on television. Well, she did it, made it work, and that is why it's as successful as it was. And that is why it's sad when you see someone who's judged or casted out because of one itty-bitty little thing. And it's also, you know, a sign of the times when modern time, when you have social media and things, you have to be careful what you say. Yeah, you should. But... Also, look at where your source is coming from. What are they saying as part of that? They're only taking little pieces. And, you know, coming from the wrestling world, I can tell you that people are often misjudged for thinking that someone's a heel or a good, uh, when they're really a nice person. Or maybe someone thinks someone's a really nice person, but they're really a jerk in real life. And they're heartbroken when they find out the opposite about the other person. And here's the problem. <laughs> the problem is, is that as a society... Someone does something that not all of us agree with, or they say something a little bit taboo, but all of a sudden that's it. They're all done. Blacklisted is the word they use in Hollywood, right? People like Roseanne, people like Shia LaBeouf, people like Amanda Bynes, um, Miley Cyrus, Christian Bale, Russell Crowe. Okay, let's backtrack that. Russell Crowe and Christian Bale. Let's just take those two names. These are people who supposedly are um, blacklisted. Now I'm going to add in, in Shia LaBeouf as well now. Okay, these are blacklisted people. They're not supposed to be around Hollywood. They're terrible people, right? They act bizarre. They do these things. They're outlandish. Okay. Christian Bale, people don't want to work with him because supposedly he gave a hard time to someone on set of a film because the phone was going off or some technical thing wasn't right. Well, guess what? 
in the wrestling world, when you're in wrestling with a veteran and you do something and the veteran tells you, hey, don't do this or don't do that, you show the respect to the wrestler because he's been there before you and he's, been, he's made more of a career way before you've come there. That's why you let the, rest, the wrestling veteran run the match that you're working in when you're a rookie. Now, that being said, there are always to go on things. Everyone has good days and bad days, and you can't judge someone by one day. He's like, hey, put the thing down. You don't know what the whole story is. You only know what you were told by whomever wrote the, pro, the article or whatever. But let me tell you, when you have an Oscar in your hand, and both Christian Bale and Russell Crowe both have that, well, guess what? That Oscar that they got because people said that they could act and they did a good job doing their job, doing what they're supposed to do, that tells me that they know what they're doing. That tells me that they have acknowledged, people acknowledge them for doing a great job. And it shows that they know what it's like to win. And that being said, if they know something is going to help them win, why would they not want perfection? Why would they not want you to do things the proper way? Why wouldn't they just let it go? Because they have been around. They know what it's like. They know what it takes to win, ultimately. Compare it to sports. It's the same thing. Any other way. You could compare it in any way. It's going to be the same thing you'll come to. That it goes hand in hand that, you know, you need those people have the Oscars and the accolades to, that says that they know what they're doing and they do them well. Not only do they do them well, they do them better than anyone else that year. That's what those wars simulate or symbolic. That's what that symbolizes, right? Russell Crowe is another person. He has Oscars. I think Christian Bale and Russell Crowe have a couple Oscars each. That tells me that they're twice, two-time winners at least. That tells me that they definitely know what they're doing. But yet, Paul Hollywood doesn't want to work with them. Wow. And Shia LaBeouf. Oh, Shia LaBeouf. He went to the award show with that bag on his head. And da 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 da. Guess what? Come on. The poor kid grew up in, 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 on the Disney Channel, first of all. But also, on top of that, if you watched Honey Boy, if you cared to invest your time into watching something and watching a performance, then you would see exactly how that effect of being around such a thing at a young age can affect people. But instead of people giving him the benefit of the doubt and, and saying, wow, this kid's been a lot, through a hell of a lot. We should give him more respect, and we should give him a little bit more praise for everything he's overcome to get to where he is. Instead, he's casted out, and he's treated like he's, a, he's this, you know, out of his mind or whatever. Please. If anyone walking down the street walked down with a bag on the head, they wouldn't care. But because it's Shia LaBeouf, it's a big thing. People need to be treated equally. Shia LaBeouf, when it comes to performance-wise, my son probably likes more Shia LaBeouf movies than he likes of any of the people who are currently in movies now. I can rattle off three names, three movies that my son likes on his top of his like list. Holes being one of them. Transformers, number two. 
in all honesty, if I was to say, uh, you know, Shia LaBeouf, the first thing to come to mind is either Hold or Transformers. He doesn't know that he's blacklisted from Hollywood, and nor does he care, because he knows he does a great job. I just saw Shia LaBeouf in Peanut Butter Falcon. That was another great role. <laughs> so, you know, and then these other people who are on this list, supposedly, you know, it's just terrible that someone says something and someone jumps to the whole different conclusion and it's made to be something bigger than it really is. That's a really sad thing. And because the person's in the spotlight, they're even held to a higher than everyone else. That's not the way it should be either. Because when you treat people with the golden rule, then you don't really have that worry, do you? If you treat everyone the same, the same respect you give it to anyone else, number one, you respect their privacy. You're not hiding in bushes trying to expose something like you're doing someone a favor that a lot of these celebrities have to deal with. And let's face it, a lot of common people, I'm not saying common people, a lot of people who work nine to five jobs who are in an, an office, for example, probably would never really understand what it's like to have a, a thing when you're in the spotlight, like a filmmaker does, to have fans come up to you all over the place, all walks like, follow to your house. Can you imagine if you were a lawyer, for example, and your clients when you're in the criminals started following you home to your house, you would probably get a little freaked out, huh? But because that happens to stars, they're supposed to endure that, right? That's supposed to be acceptable. Bullshit. Part of my language. People have the right to their privacy. People have a right to be themselves. People have a rough time and people have a right to be the way they should be. And they should be respected for what they do. And I'm not saying everything's done the whole way, and I don't know the whole story. But I'm going to tell you this. The people who I just mentioned, all of those names and then some, I have went on a tangent and I have said that I will welcome them to come on this very show to clear the air. And this is the, probably the only place that they're going to be given the opportunity to explain and tell their side of the story. Because it's unfair as a society that we judge without listening and are asking the questions. Or listening, that's the biggest thing. We're quick to judge. We read things that someone says and we take it to be fact without having any factual proof behind you. There's a wrestling critic in wrestling. A lot of guys who are outside of wrestling probably never heard of him. People in wrestling have heard of him way too much. And he's held at a pedestal way too high. His name is Dave Meltzer, and he is this wrestling critic who critiques wrestling matches and shows. He came up with a wrestling rating for matches that he likes by people he likes and whoever pays him more. Uh, Dave Meltzer, you know, a lot of people come to his defense a lot. Most of them are people who sit in their mom's basement who have never stepped foot in the wrestling business, who watch wrestling on a regular basis and think that they know everything because Dave Meltzer sits in his mom's basement and watches wrestling and thinks he knows what it is to to be in wrestling. Dave Meltzer is the modern-day wrestling weatherman. 
Why do I compare to the weatherman? The weatherman gets paid and has the same acknowledgement. Even though you know the weatherman is going to go in front of the screen, he's going to say it's going to rain, but then it'll snow. But people don't care. They still watch the same weatherman who will say it's going to snow and then it'll rain. Or it's going to be a nice, bright, sunny day, and then there's a tornado. Dave Meltzer is that individual. He's the individual who, you know, for example, he'll write, oh, this is what they're going to plan on doing. And then when that doesn't happen the way he said it was, because he guessed it would, he then says, oh, well, they changed it at the last minute. Yeah, come on. Some of my wrestling brothers actually like Dave Meltzer. They respect him. I personally don't know why or how. He's never been in a wrestling match. He's never been in a wrestling ring. Why would we have any kind of care what someone outside the business is going to do to tell us about our business and what we do in the ring? Who is he to tell us what kind of a rating our match work goes for? Because we didn't do flippy nonsense? He's promoting people who are not professionally trained at a wrestling school who are trained in their backyard, which most people who are professional wrestlers who have been in the business a long time are ones to tell you not to do that. But he promotes that. It takes money from these people to promote them, claiming that he's a wrestling critic. But yet he takes money from places like New Japan Wrestling and, eight, and All Elite Wrestling and but yet he has the right to talk about what WWE is doing, what TNA is doing, and da, 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 da. Well, guess what? If you're taking money from another company, you don't have the right to talk about someone else and what they're doing. Or, nor should you take, be taken serious because what you're doing is bashing the competition. And that's not ethical either. Anyway, you look at it, that's what that is. And I have a lot of issues with that. As you can tell, I have a lot of displeasure with a Dave Melser. No, he's never called me out. He's never said anything about me. I could care less. I don't care if he did. But I'm a realist, and I call it how it is. And I think it's really sad how how many people actually defend and respect this guy. Now, I compare him, same person who writes the tabloids for these celebrities. And that's where I was tying you guys into it, in case you didn't know where I was going. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> When we were growing up in the 80s, even recently, you see that you've heard of the National Enquirer. The National Enquirer was a gossip magazine where people would write, you know, all these outlandish stories. And half of it would be utter nonsense or half-truths or, you know, whatever. There was also a paper called The News, World News or whatever, which was like, oh, man, there was some good ones. Let me tell you, the crocodile baby born and... Bigfoot fell along with Mrs. Um, Frankenstein's monster seen on camera. So to me, when I see tabloids or I think of tabloids and all that stuff, and I hear about what someone supposedly had said on set or offset, my ears shut off. I don't read those things because I don't care. If I don't see it myself, then I'm not going to believe anything. This goes back to my whole thing about giving people an opportunity and a chance for myself before I believe anything I read or someone tells me ahead of time. And I have told the story multiple times about how 
I have been told in the past that people were not so nice or not so cool, and then I made that opportunity to meet those people, and I had the opposite of opposite meeting that they had. You don't know what kind of day someone's had. You don't know what's going on in their lives. You don't know anything. So you can't jump to the conclusion in saying, you know, this person is mean or a jerk because of something, you know, because they couldn't stop to take a picture or an autograph. This is a true story. A wrestling buddy of mine told this story in his podcast, Bruce, Bruce Pritchett, one of, one of the people who I don't think gets enough credit. Bruce Pritchett um, portrays, portrayed Brother Love back in the 80s, but in real life, he's also one of the backstage um, executives and so forth and promoters and whatever. Bruce Pritchett, um, unfortunately, his wife was very ill one time. and He was going through the airport to see his wife who was in the hospital having treatment. And a fan had stopped him to take pictures and sign autographs. And, you know, Bruce, I can tell you, I've seen and I've heard that he does sign autographs, no problem. I know a lot of guys who are like this. And this scenario is not just him. This has happened to multiple people, including myself, that people quickly to judge due to, you know, this. So the fan wanted to take a picture and an autograph and all this stuff with Bruce Pritchett, whose wife is in the hospital. If you've, not, if you've been ever married or you had a girlfriend or in a serious relationship, regardless, you know, whether you're in Hollywood or whatever the job is or wrestling or whatever the case is, if your family member, your loved one is in the hospital, you know the first thing in your mind is to get to that person you care about. Well, Bruce Pritchard was going to the airport and people were trying to stop him to get pictures. He declined to take the pictures because he wanted to get to his wife who was sick. That those fans who that didn't, who you know tried to stop him and whatever to get the pictures or whatever, then went ahead and said how mean Bruce Pritchett is, how much of a jerk he is. He doesn't like fans. He doesn't like signing autographs. Blah, 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 blah. Really, the poor guy's wife is in the hospital. He's trying to get to his wife on the plane. He just got done working. He promised to go very long distance. He's still going to time to get to his wife who's ill. And you're upset because you couldn't take a 30-second picture that can come at any other time. When reality is if that the, those people who wanted those pictures were in the same scenario when one of their loved ones were in the, when their lives were in jeopardy, they wouldn't even think about stopping to do anything for anything but get to the hospital. But yet they're quick to judge him for not stopping to take a picture because of his status as a, a, a personality. Again, that has to end. That's not right either. Actors like Finn Wolfhard and, um, you know, all these young stars right now who are talking about the fans who seem like they're entitled. Yeah, there are fans who are entitled. <laughs> there are a lot of them. <laughs> and I get it, you know. It, but I also understand as a wrestler, as someone in the entertainment business as well. Also, when I've worked in film as well, as you know. But I also know what comes along with those types of that environment. I know that if I go to a wrestling show and someone recognizes me, I know that I'm putting myself out there and that I'm expected to sign autographs. Myself, I don't turn down autographs and pictures, and I've had it happen all kinds of random places. I've had it happen at train stations and you name it. People will stop and ask me questions. And my fear is the people who recognize me from the YouTube stuff and like, oh, aren't you this guy? Or they'll say, hey, you look like this guy and it's me. <laughs> um, that's always fun. But 
I'm older. I've been around a little bit longer. And so, you know, I get that. But this got to be a line you have, right? People like Finn Wolfhard, a lot of those people, people who like to hate on for not, you know, for not being overly excited for them is because of the fact he does a lot of those meet and greets. He does a lot of those, you know, he does a lot of those meet and greets. He does a lot of, uh, you know, make-a-wish stuff. He does the stuff where he does a lot of appearances and stuff like that. So it's not like the kid doesn't want to talk to people. He doesn't know what's entailed on that thing. He does know that that happens. And when he's in that environment, he gets that. But guess what? When he's done and walked around from the table, guess what? Give him his time. You already had him for multiple times. Let him be himself. Same thing goes for all of his co-stars, and the same thing goes for anyone of that celebrity status. There's got to be a line that's going to be drawn. There's a time and a place, okay? We teach our kids, my wife and I, that when you see you know, a wrestler or someone in person, you don't go up and harass them. We have a, we have a certain rules. At some point, we're going to get my wife to come on here, and she can tell you the rules that we have when it comes to what we tell our kids about when it comes to meeting celebrities. There's a way, in wrestlers or whatever, you address, the, you know, you go up and you shake their hand, you look them in the eye, you say, you don't bother them while they're eating. That's something you don't do anyway. You thank them, you call them by their wrestling name if they're a wrestler, and, you know, you thank them and you ask them politely, and if they say no, then it's a no, and that's it. You have a nice day, and thank you anyway. These are the things we teach our kids, which I think everyone should be treating everyone. Regardless who you think you're going to, you know, these people are your long-lost lovers or these other things. I got news for you. <laughs> you the screaming girls and all that stuff. <laughs> Listen, they're individuals. They're not like people that can have all of this stuff and then some. And I think it's unfortunate when, you know, they have to, when a kid has to say, okay, that's enough, then there's an issue because most kids, Okay, cool. You know, a lot of kids are like, oh, this is awesome if they're into that environment. Um, if they're into the industry and they know that this is what they want to do, then they are probably used to that. But if they're in the industry also, then they should be respected for their privacy just as well as anyone else for any other job ever because they're doing a job. Do you harass the person at Stop and Shop for their autograph and their picture? Or Whole Foods? All oh, those Whole Foods. I got to get that Whole Foods autograph people, you know? you got to follow them home, right? The reason we don't do those things in society is because of how warped people are. Because as entertaining as these people are, we see on TV, there are people who do a lot more for people or a lot more helpful than you think they are. And there's also, you know, just as a society, how you respect one over the other. You can't see the value in an individual, and you don't have the respect for the individuals in which you're trying to, what, show your appreciation for? And out of curiosity, how is it not creepy to follow someone to their house <laughs> in any way, shape, or form? Oh, hi, I'm going to follow you to your house, and I'm a fan. Can I have an autograph? <laughs> Who the hell? <laughs> oh, my goodness. All I can say is Finn Wolfhard is – Got to have more patience than I ever would because let me tell you, he got in trouble for saying certain things or, you know, telling people, to, hey, can you back off a little bit? I wouldn't be so nice if someone, some person felt so entitled to something to follow me all the way back to my house where my wife and my kids are to get a picture and an autograph. 
Again, I'm, I don't mind giving an autograph and a picture for you if I'm in public. But if you follow me to my house to, to get that very same thing, guess what? You're going to have an issue. And I, the other thing I'm going to tell you is you don't have to worry about me making a tweet to do something about it because I'm from the old school ways of doing things. I'm just going to deal with you myself. And it's not going to be – it will be autographed, all right. It just won't be the way you want it to be because um, that's just crazy. <laughs> the people there respect. You know, treat people with respect. Give them the space. If you're at a meet and greet, that's one thing. Okay? Those are your times, meet and greets, and whatever the case may be. If you see them, offer them a hello, a thank you. Don't fall into their house. It's just stupid and creepy. <laughs> Why do I have to be the voice of reason? <laughs> How am I a voice of reason when I make more sense than everyone else? So... That's the case, Laura. Anyway, folks, um, it's been a great time here chatting with you, and I'm sorry to come, you know, make those little PSAs, I guess, uh, for the rights of treating people with respect. <laughs> this, this message in this uh, segment is brought to you by the Golden Rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated. And that sounds like a, a mock, but it's really true. It's really... Um, you really should be respecting other people and their wishes and their respect and giving people the options that they deserve. Um, regardless how young or how old someone is, people are people. People all bleed. People all breathe. And regardless what your job status is, everyone is part of society. Everyone's part of the world. And all honesty, if it's my way, I, I would have the, most of the world celebrate the F4L lifestyle so that way they wouldn't have to worry because when you're F4L, you treat everyone, and you use, the way you live every day is with love, care, and compassion, understanding, respect for each other's differences, and um, yeah, individuality. And we don't care what skin color you are, what race you are, black, white, gay, straight, doesn't care to us, because when you're F4L, you're family, and if you have those morals and you live every day with love, care, compassion, understanding, respect for each other and their differences, then you won't have any issues in life. I don't know how that would be a negative thing. But um, anyway, folks, I thank you guys for joining me tonight um, on this podcast. It's been a great time. Um, I hope to have another show soon. I will have another show soon. I hope to have a guest on next time. Um, so... I am your host with the most. I am the leader of the F4L, the icon, Sean Jazz Stevens. If you want more information, you can find me at, um, well, all my social media platforms, at Sean Jazz Stevens on Twitter. You can find me on wilddreammatches at gmail.com. Via email, you can find me at, you can call on a guest on this show at 516 453 9380. You can call my, me myself if you want any other ideas at 617 653 7173 or resume. You can find me um, on Instagram at FRL Icon. I'm sorry, FRL Sean Jazz Stevens. SW, I think, on Instagram um, and whatnot. So for all of you out there, wherever you are, no matter what you're doing in life, May all your dreams come true. I am your host. I made my dreams happen. Still working on some more. You can too. May all your dreams come true. And have a great night. Peace, everyone. <laughs>